Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's bi-weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded at the PW offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I am also co-editor of PW Comics World, as well as the graphic novels review editor for Publishers Weekly and the editor-in-chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm their podcast producer. This week on More to Come, 2012, 2012 comic sales. Assholes in comics. <laughs> um, uh, Frederick Wortham, Ed Kramer, Orson Squart, Scott Card, you be the judge. Uh, Batwoman Proposal and Gen Manga launches Gen Manwa. And news briefs. So let's right. go right to it. And now to, to the it. news. The, uh, the 2012 comic sales in the most genial bean-crutching article uh, available every year from Brian Hibbs. Uh, he looks at the um, total comics and graphic novel sales uh, of 2012 and comes up with some pretty impressive finds. Well, he was looking at, um, at uh, book scans. At book scans yes, numbers, yes, was. Actually, it was John yes. Jackson Miller who had the... Uh, he went and he added together diamonds and uh, estimates and the book scan numbers, and he came up with an overall number... Uh, for the year, which he estimated that the graphic novel, it, or comics, graphic novels, periodicals, and graphic novels, uh, bookstores, and and comic shops did about $715 million this year, which is the highest number in quite a while. Yeah. And in dollars, is back at the same level as 20 years ago. Of course, it is not the same in units, and of course, it is not the same as, uh, you know, with inflation. It would be more like uh, one, uh, over a billion dollars, actually, in inflationary yeah. terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it sold that in the early 90s. I really had no idea of just how much of a boom the early 90s were compared to now. Well, they I were. mean, I knew they were bigger, but I didn't realize that foil covers and we felt oh, are yes. really I mean, throw things so high. <laughs> some of the stuff that was going on, though, I mean, you do have to wonder, I mean, in terms of um, variant covers and the like and the well, collectability there's... issue. Uh, I, I always wondered back in the day how much of that stuff is being read. Well, I think what you really have to look at in terms of the early 90s is, number one, there were a lot more outlets. There was, uh, by some count, 11,000 mm. diamond accounts. Now, yeah. many of them were not comic shops. Yeah. Many of them were uh, card shops that sold some mm-hmm. comics. Some of them were uh, uh, ho- hobby shops. Some of them were actually buy-in clubs. Uh, mm-hmm. Diamond had a lot less stringent uh, rules for buying, setting up an account yeah. then. So people yeah. set up buying, buying clubs. Also, there were so many variant covers. There were so many, um, you know, special editions, limited editions, mm-hmm. chromium covers, holograms, true. and all of these led to uh, some pretty high About sales. Yeah. You know, no, X Men number one. What was it sold like? You know, well over a million copies. There were lots of million. Yes, copy there were lots first, of million sellers. Sale. But there was yeah. also lots of unsold comics. So um, it wasn't exactly healthy. I mean, I think in terms of. Right now, I think it's very healthy growth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this seems to be a sustainable much, market. Yeah. Yeah. But if we're talking about a, a, a direct market uh, total of what, about 2,000 well, shops? I'm looking at the numbers right now. Uh, by uh, J- Jackson, uh, John Jackson Miller's analysis, uh, comic shops orders uh, were about $300 million. Um, There's about $210 million sales of graphic novels. Uh, and... The, Let's see, newsstand, he estimates about 30 million. Uh, comic shops, orders of graphic novels, about 175 million. 
Uh, and he does not know what the library sells, uh, yes, obviously. Yeah, yes, yeah, uh, or digital. Scan, he, he guess, yeah, because BookScan doesn't he really guess that, track. He says here digital sales are not tracked, but maybe in excess of $75 million. That's yeah. quite a bit of money. Yeah. But, you know, they say it's about 10%. Everyone says their mm -hmm. digital sales are about 10%. Yeah. And that would make Milton has even guesstimated yeah, exactly. sales would to be around that number, so, $75 million for yeah, he get, but, but what's kind of interesting about this is that uh, for the first time, the comic shops are uh, actually a little bit more in terms of graphic novel sales than the bookstore market. Now, a mm -hmm. lot of this is because, as we know, bookstore market is pretty Not much doing so well. crumbling around yeah. us. And, and, and obviously, I mean, he goes into great detail, certainly uh, Brian Hibbs does in his mm -hmm. thing, about what happened to the manga market that right. continues to decline. Right. Uh, and principally because of the loss of 600 stores, yeah. 600 border that stores. I mean, that's a hell of a lot of things. Um, I mean, and not only was Borders, Borders had a lot of manga and, and mm. comics there. I mean, I remember I was there. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. a much larger section yeah. than Barnes & Noble has. And at the end of the day, I mean, really the things that are selling well are the top titles. And the loss of physical bookstores affects most profoundly the ability to find a book that you didn't think you were right. going to buy. Exactly. Yes. Discoverability. Yeah. And and that is really what is hammering uh, the, the, the bookstore market. Yeah. And right I there. think, by contrast, you see new comic shops opening. I mean, not mm -hmm. a million of them, yeah. but uh, but they open. I, I, Diamond's figures were that last year there was 1% growth news yes, yeah. Now, granted, that's a smaller percentage <laughs> as it could possibly be, but as they pointed out, it wasn't a lot. <laughs> it was not, you know, stores closing. And we when take you look, our positives yeah, where we find them. I'm pretty sure the number of bookstores declined last year. Uh, I, no, actually, no independent decline? bookstores, well, I mean, chain bookstores, yes. But, it, you know, the, the chain store market obviously mm -hmm. is down. Independent bookstores, if I'm not mistaken, are have stabilized over the last few years. I don't right. know what the exact numbers are. But the, the steep declines that we used to see ha has not been happening. And right now the Winter Institute is going on, mm -hmm. which is the, the uh, American Booksellers Association annual, it's, not, it's their annual bookstore, school, and, mm -hmm. and conference. And basically they, it, they bring in wannabe booksellers, give them a training in the basis in the basics, and then they also are a number of presentations right. there from publishers. I didn't and, even and know something like that existed. Yes, that yes, sounds really interesting. Winter Institute happens once a year. Yeah. yeah. So, but there uh, should be something like that for comics. Uh, uh, well, they well, are trying. Actually, not a bad idea. <laughs> uh, there's a bunch of stories that are kind of ancillary to all this, but uh, you know, uh, Diamond just promoted Chris Powell to a oh, VP yes, that's a good of point. Like, retailer good. services, yeah. and he was hired about 18 months ago mm -hmm. to set up some programs, actually, Kate, to uh, to uh, promote new stores, you know, to set up some programs, and they did a bunch like of Like education and stuff for them, because well, I knew that there were things that were going into works to make it more affordable to start right. a new store, but right. I, I was, when he was talking about all the educational efforts right. that they're doing to start new bookstores, I thought... Yeah. Well, I mean, in theory, I think that's why you're supposed to do a diamond uh, seminar, but um, mm. anyway, yeah. but I mean, I think mm. that's part of what Diamond is really trying to do, so I, yeah. think, I think they see that that's a good idea, and they're, mm. they're trying... Um, but, you know, this is, I, I just, it's a very uh, heartening time. I really yeah. feel a lot yeah. of the struggles that mm. we've all had for, you know, the better part of a decade for some of us, and maybe the better part of 20 years for other of us, mm. uh, I feel like some of these struggles finally have, you know, cut to the point where you can say, you know what, that finally worked, and I was right all along. That's my <laughs> favorite thing to say, is I, was, told I was right all, all along. along. I, I told you, you so. <laughs> yeah, woohoo. And uh, so, yeah, With, I think it's very healthy growth. And I, I'd love for us to just go over some of uh, 
Brian's comments. I mean, he goes okay. down the list and uh, he kind of gives you the top manga publishers and the top Western publishers. Right. And I think it's a really interesting portrait of, uh, you know, who's on top. I mean, in, right. in some ways, our reporting over the last year has kind of identified some things. But I think there's some surprises. Right. Okay. Um, I mean, obviously, the manga category is depressing. It's the sixth year right. it's been down right. um, in sales. And it's, got, what's, it's lost about a third mm. um, of sales. Um, but let's see. What do they have as, obviously, the obvious uh, number one's Viz. Yeah, uh, Yen Press and Kodansha are kind of the, the top three. Right. Um, the number four publisher uh, is Seven Seas uh, and really shows, you know, in a, in a sea of red ink, it's one of the few publishers that seems to have had an up year last year. Right. <coughs> After Seven Seas, it's Dark Horse and amazingly at number six, Tokyo Pop. Right. Of all right. things. On the uh, you wow. know a publisher that has been um, uh, defunct since dead early for early twenty eleven. Long time. I'm not really sure yeah. how they got themselves on the list. Uh, yeah, it's a little. He's a little baffled by that too. Um, uh, at the same time, among Western comics publishers, and he identifies about forty two publishers. I'd like to call them Occidental. Publishers. There you go. The Occidental side of the publishing yeah. equation. Um, there's about forty two publishers. The number one publisher, uh, essentially based on dollar sales, mm. I believe. Uh, is the Image Comics? Yeah. Well, uh, if you look at uh, um, Walking Dead, I think he did a breakout. I mean, I think the Walking Dead uh, is something like fifteen percent of the entire market, or, or something like that. Um, it's a huge part. So you know, and it goes on. I mean, Ben yeah. and I were just watching the Walking. You know, slight um, uh, di 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 diversion here, but you know, we were watching the Walking Dead, and uh, I just can't believe that show is that popular. <laughs> well, I mean, it's well done, but, yeah. but I think yeah. it's I because, because, I think it's because it doesn't really have competition for what it is and what it does. Like, if you're a big horror fan, like who wants like actually horrifying horror as opposed to like ha ha, yeah, um, ironic horror, <laughs> ironic horror or sort of like mannered horror. You really want like gross stuff jumping out at you, right? You can't, yeah. you can't yeah. be it's, Walking Dead. It's sort of like every episode is the Twilight Zone. You don't know who's going to die at the yeah, end. It's pretty amazing. Now, I haven't seen the most recent episodes, but I really oh, did. Oh, I was just I really to spoil. Look. You won't believe who dies in this one. Oh, that, but, that's um, okay. I'm, I'm yeah. oblivious to spoilers. <laughs> I mean, but uh, I, I, I think it's a really good, a good show, and I don't even like horror, yeah. but I think it's a fabulous but show. But anyway, but the point is, the show is hugely popular and it is driving immense oh, the sales. sales. Are insane. The sales immense are insane. sales. And, I, and I, I do think it rebounds on Image. I yeah. think yeah. that, I mean, not has, only does do they get... has many other titles, too. Well, that's what I mean, extremely is well. that it raises Image's profile across the board so that mm. people who buy Walking Dead or even just see Walking Dead, suddenly Image looks like a big dog. Right. Without right. a doubt. Right. And, you know, it wasn't just Walking Dead. They had other success stories yes. beyond that. I mean, Saga was Saga's a, amazing. a top 20 book uh, yes. for them. And, and a new uh, issue's out this week, and I can't wait to buy it. I know, it's good. It's good. Yeah, uh, going down the list of top uh, Occidental publishers, mm -hmm. very interesting. Um, DC Comics is number two. Random House mm -hmm. comes in at number three with, uh, with about $6 million in sales. Scholastic is number four. Andrews mm -hmm. McMeal, number five. Dark Horse, number six. Uh, number seven is SNS, followed by Marvel. Marvel really paper cuts and Harper Collins of all uh -huh. publishers, mostly on the basis of the Warriors um, 
uh, gra- right. a graphic adaptation which, that they did in conjunction with, with Tokyo, Tokyo Pop. Pop. Yes. Yeah, but, one of those little. Yes. But even so, I mean, I, I feel like this is time to say, Marvel, what are you doing with your graphic novel division? Well, if you read the comments it, at the, this, which I don't know if you did, but uh, mm-hmm. one of uh, Marvel employee did uh, Ruan Jawada, uh, Ruan, I can't yes. pronounce her name, but anyway, his uh, the associate, Ruan J, the associate <laughs> publisher, did respond, and he said, look, we know it's not the best. We have our own internal goals. We are hitting our own internal goals, and you know, please don't judge us. So uh, no, we are we, going to yeah, judge we you. We are going to judge you. <laughs> what is he talking about? Yes. Of course, we're going to judge you. This is the comics. <laughs> this is a comics community. Yeah, but you know, I'm going to jump in here, and I'm also going to point out that you know who else is not in the top ten is IDW, and they have yeah. the same yeah, yeah. idea as Marvel about mm-hmm. carrying inventory, yeah. and because uh, they do the same thing, they do not keep their books in print, and guess what? That means you're not a top publisher. So yeah. there you go. You don't sell as many well, books I mean, when you don't keep your books in print. That is a basic. And I mean, uh, I can role. more understand it from IDW than I can from Marvel because I can see how IDW, as a smaller company, might felt feel they can't risk the money. But Marvel is part of Disney. Mm-hmm. Like they can afford to risk a few thousand dollars on storing some inventory. Mm-hmm. Come on, right? Well, it's odd. I mean, it does. It's, it still seems odd in the sort of if I may say this, the, the post-direct market world, yeah. uh, that um, most most of the big comics publishers and certainly the small ones sort of have forgotten the, the general book, trade book right. religion. Well, I, uh, yeah, I, I'm just actually looking here, and the, the Brian Hibbs list contains um, the top 750 titles. Yes. I think this is interesting. Like, Oni had ten books yes. on the list. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing six of them were Scott Pilgrim. Uh, I think you're um, right. <laughs> uh, Archie had eight books. Mm-hmm. IDW had six books. And Top Shelf had five books. Uh, so, I, I mean, I just think that's amazing. I think it's amazing that IDW would yeah. have as many or fewer titles yes. on a long tail list as Oni Press or, yeah. Yeah. or Top Shelf. Or they would equal one more than yeah. Top Shelf. Yeah, that seems... Yeah, startling. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, like, there's a it's a fascinating. There's fascinating no list. comparison yeah. in their output. And the other thing that's really amazing about this list, though, and Calvin, I think you and I can both agree, is that publishers like Random House and Scholastic and uh, you know Simon and Schuster have kind of gotten it because they floundered for a long time mm. with how to publish graphic novels with some. But of the they've story. learned. But they've learned. Actually, what they've learned is that kids love graphic novels because almost yeah. all the books are yeah. uh, aimed at kids yeah, and teens. Almost all the kids. And, and hey, I, why not? Yeah. I, mean, I was surprised to see Random House so up there, particularly so high on the list, particularly since, I mean, they have essentially gotten out of the manga business right. entirely mm-hmm. uh, by shipping all of the Del Rey uh, manga licenses right. back to Kodansha, which yeah. is... You know, sort of raised its level as as now a Native American or North American manga publisher. So that was a little startling to see. Yeah, I mean, one of the uh, one of the uh, projects that I didn't have time to do this week is I am still going to go through this and look at uh, uh, books by publisher, which Brian doesn't break out. I mean, I think it's pretty interesting when you when you look at what they you know what each title was, mm-hmm. and not so much the numbers because these numbers are low. They are not what books sold, but um, you yeah. know, it gives you a metric, mm-hmm. as I always say. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it, like the publisher, basically we're looking at the bookstore channel really having a lot of success stories that are not replicated in the direct sales market, but the direct sales market is doing really awesome. So you have two mm-hmm. pretty yeah. healthy channels right yeah. now. Right. Absolutely. I mean, Random House, of course, has not only kids' comics, but they have Pantheon. Yes. And they have and the, the fabulous Chris Ware's yeah. building stories, which is 
sort of doing amazing right. for its price point, being a $50 book. Right, and they it's ran out of it. So, yes, yes. You know, so, had they had more copies, uh, they would have I think done it's even sold, better. I mean, they, he's got it down here selling somewhere around thirty-eight or $39,000. i am sure they sold, yeah. they sold more than that. Well, the first printing was 50000 Yeah, copies, so they've sold more so. than that. What's probably being left out here are the enormous numbers of specialty sales, right. library sales, oh, and, yeah. other, and other un... Uh, tracked channels that bo uh, by bookstore. Right. Um, yeah, I'm looking here. Uh, Pantheon, uh, Persepolis was a top book mm -hmm. for Pantheon. Uh, Mouse still Gotta sells. Love those Mouse perennials. still sells. Yeah, crazy still numbers. sells like crazy. Mm -hmm. So um, you know, there's definitely uh, they have a fantastic backlist, which is mm -hmm. why they're so high up there. <laughs> and but 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 What's but Heidi's love? right. I mean, really. I mean, if you look at the other ones, including Andrew McMill, Scholastic, obviously. I mean, kids-oriented comics are just, like, exploding off the shelves for these publishers. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned this several... Oh, I'm sorry, Kate, go on. Oh, go on, and then I'll say. Uh, no, I was just going to say, at the top uh, book for all the publishers on here, Dark Horse's top book was Avatar, a kid's book. Kid's license title. It's important to point out these mm -hmm. are license titles. Um, that second book was also Avatar. Um, IDW's one lone uh, book that was at the top was their My Little Pony collection. Well, yeah. Uh, Boom's <laughs> yes. uh, top book was, of course, uh, Adventure Time, uh, Kids Licensed Comics. So, um, you know, um, and then uh, Paper Cuts has huge success Paper, yes. with their uh, Ninjago Yes. Uh, comics and you know Ninjago a Lego program which is actually coming to an end they have a whole new Lego program but anyway oh, kids licensed comics well, selling it, well licensed well if you look across the board money. it's it's a lot of stuff that's accessible to people who have not devoted their lives to comics right so. <laughs> that either it's like something that's one shot or something that is connected to a media property that other people would know about right or, yeah. You know, hint, kid, hint, kids' hint. comics also overlap the gift category. Oh, they do. So, you know, giftable you give Highly comic. giftable, highly yeah. accessible, high so quality. So parents don't even have What's to buy the, the doggone comics. Their friends will buy them for them. Right. It's <laughs> true. If they're lucky. <laughs> so, um, happy yeah. to say, uh, the the state of uh, the comics market looks strong. Is yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And, uh, and, and hopefully... We'll look even better as we get deeper into you know, 2013. We'll have a little bit more, hopefully, on our next podcast, although the press is not allowed, but the Comics Pro meeting oh, is yes, taking place this weekend, uh, which is a meeting of the Comics Pro retailer organization. All the publishers are headed down to Atlanta as we speak uh, to convocate, and I'm sure there'll be some leaks and some, some news coming out of there, so hopefully we'll have yes. a report. And um, you know, But uh, everybody was smiling uh, as they headed off, as far as I could tell. So That okay. is a big turnaround. Yeah. Yes, it is. All right, um, assholes in comics. Frederick <laughs> Wortham, um, Orson Scott Card, Ed Kramer. Yeah, who, let's go down the who list. Who is the biggest asshole? Yes, in oh, comics? this is that is the real. This is going to be a, a lot really of competition, heated competition. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, shall we just go down the list? Sure. Yeah, we can start with Frederick Wortham. Maybe he's yeah. the oldest asshole. Yes. Well, he's the, the perennial asshole. Yes. That's yes. for sure. Um, Should we uh, perhaps take a minute to explain to those yes, listeners? Yes. Let's recap. Yes. Um, well, the. Well, Frederick Wortham, the um, author of uh, Seduction of the Innocent, uh, Seduction of the Innocent, uh, a 1950s era psychologist, tract, a psychology tract. He's a psychiatrist. Uh, actually, uh, obviously, a, a, a has a reputation actually going forward of being a very progressive, um, uh, liberal-minded yeah. uh, psychiatrist yes. at the time. I think he also ran sort of uh, mental health facilities yes, for prisoners in New York City. Yeah. Uh, but he has also wrote a tract that has been used to kind of characterize 
comics as, as turning uh, teenagers into juvenile delinquents. Um, it's kind of been a the burden to bear for the for the media. Well, I wouldn't including say including leading to the uh, the Comics Code of Well, I wouldn't say that it has been. I mean, I think it was basically, you know, in the 50s, they didn't have Bill O'Reilly and Rush Limbaugh and all that at Glenn Beck. So, like, you know... Although somebody, he was, although in fact, he's liberal, liberal. He was, in fact, yes. liberal. That is a very yes. important to point out. But, like, basically, when people came out with this book, he got so much attention for it, and uh, it fit in with other people's... Um, ag- yes, and agendas. It led to Senate subcommittee yeah. hearings, and then that led to the Comics Code. And, I, I mean, I think since then, I don't think anybody's really... You know, I can, in, in an easy bias track done. against yes. you know um, whatever you know teenagers especially. Right. Uh, we, I mean, we see this in yeah. waves, uh, decade after decade. Yeah. Whatever teenagers think is really great, uh, there's Adults always a huge a section of the population that, that becomes really frightened exactly. of it, and exactly. we're seeing it today yes. with video games. Yes, Dear exactly. God, combining yes. caffeine and alcohol, whatever shall we do? Know, that never right? happened uh, before. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So I mean, in some ways, the comics industry has sort of lumbered forward yeah. uh, beyond this particular but a, the but slander. He's but a major continues. historical yes, but the damage was intense. And yeah. you know, because he was a respected psychologist, like the things mm-hmm. that he claimed, which is that kids read comics and then went out and committed crimes and you know, some kids threw up while reading a comic yeah. and you know, girls read them and were scandalized and everything. So he had all this research in there. Well, it turns out this um, a professor of library sciences has at found the, the at really the University good of dirt. Illinois went in and looked at Wortham's archives because she was interested in finding out more about the readers because yes. she's doing I actually spoke to her uh, yesterday as part of another article her name's Carol Tilly she went in and looked at Wortham's archives and it turned out he made up a lot of this shit okay <laughs> holy crap yeah like 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 it wasn't even that he made it up it was that he read things that other people said that weren't verified, and then he used them as his own research, which in the academic world it's is a no-no. no-no. It's a Luckily, we can do it when we podcast, but you can't do it in academic. Well, it's we don't claim it's our idea, which That's is what right. he was doing, which is where the no-no comes in. Yes, well, yes. Well, he combined, you know, case studies. I mean, he he overstated. He used just he just wrong interpretations. It's really sort of startling. Yeah. Uh, the um, the lack of, of professionalism, right? Um, and this is kind of the this track that he wrote is really what the industry's been more or less living. Trying I mean, to live the down. industry has broken out from that. Obviously, at yeah. this day and time, nobody's paying think, attention think, to the Comics Code think, Authority, which I, doesn't even exist I anymore. I think this is more of a case of you know, like somebody was uh, you know accused of a crime and committed of a crime and went into jail and died in jail, and now yeah. they found some DNA evidence that you know he never did yeah, it. So, yeah. You know, and you get to say, yeah. "I was right. Yes. I told you so." Yeah, so, <laughs> but it's I not mean, only it is that sad. you get to like just stand back in shock and awe at the sheer audacity yeah. of it and the unnecessary. Well, yeah. Yeah, and I think what we, stuff that went we also leave out the fact that there. I mean, this affected people's livelihoods. Yeah. It really, it did. affected the careers of people. It sort of shamed professionals who were working. It, in many ways, it was directed against EC Comics, right. comics that it I think many of us destroy. consider some of the greatest comics ever made. Right. Um, uh, but they these were. This was used directly to really kind of destroy EC Comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It I was, mean, they and, tried to come up with comics uh, that somehow or other. You know, I mean, they did deliciously uh, garish comics, mm-hmm. you know, and everything, I mean, crime comics 
to make your right. your hair curl on the end. I know they were. They were. Uh, I mean, it would call them also the incredible. Um, yeah. uh, you know, Harvey Kurtzman's War Comics. I mean, really, yeah. the list goes on yeah. and on. Of really great. And comics. they went on. I mean, they did. They quickly. He did his best to murder an industry. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He did. Yeah. And yeah. and it was really the you know based on shoddy research. I mean, not that we didn't know this all along. Well, For some did, reason, sure. we, we didn't know, know to this degree. Right. It's one yeah. thing but to say it was prejudiced. It's another thing to say that it was outright with malicious intent. Yeah. Just and it's also another yeah. imbalance in, I think, at that, certainly at that time, in the public embrace or non-embrace of comics. I mean, it really, yeah. uh, and it, uh, 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 a medium that's weirdly at the center of culture and marginalized at the same time was somehow or other even more marginalized right. but I in mean, the public's but, uh, you know, uh, um, view of it. What's really interesting from talking to Professor Tilly about this is like she is doing all this research. You're going to be hearing a lot more about her mm -hmm. because she's doing a uh, research into what comics readership was really like ah. in the 40s and 50s. There is a treasure trove of research. Yeah. Now, one of the reasons she went into Werther's archives was she found all these letters that children wrote to him saying, we like our comics and I don't commit crimes. You know, so they had written <laughs> him and were very positive about comics. And she's actually found some of those kids today to see what became Very of them. Very interesting. So she that feels, is fascinating. I, I know, it is. She And she's done a lot of other mm -hmm. research into what, you know, uh, readership studies that were done, mm -hmm. how comics were used at the time. And, uh, you know, whereas, obviously, this is quite a while ago, and um, we all have our ideas of what things might have been like or how comics were treated, but they were not as completely a marginalized, you know, look down on medium as we kind of think mm -hmm. they are given the the downfall that were them led them into. I mean, they were used as she's pointing out for educational purposes at that time. Absolutely. You know, cartoonists who did newspaper strips were celebrities. Uh, you know, Absolutely. like I mean, Al Cap just came out. You know, he used to be on to tell the truth all the mm -hmm. time. So anyway, I mean, they weren't like if you really look at the research oh, as yeah. a good researcher does, was you find using nonfiction comics in all kinds yes. of ways, all from the nineteen forties yes. on up into yes. the nineteen. So basically, what Wortham did was he really threw a spanner in the works for all this mm -hmm. good stuff that was happening, and it did take a long time to recover. But anyway, uh, as as we've just said with our sales, I mean, finally, uh, you know, things are blossoming in, a, in many, many directions. But anyway, uh, we're them asshole of the year, maybe of the century. Yeah. Yes, but <laughs> not other, this century. But not there's more. Century. Yes, but there's but more. There's more, more. assholes. So, so who should we do next? Yes, and and horses and got horses got card. So, horses got yeah. card. Well, so, I mean, we've already covered his assholishness as being a uh, virulent uh, uh, enemy of not only gay marriage, but homosexuality in general. Yeah. He's really like, you know, don't frighten the horses and... Um, you know, whereas his books actually feature young boys and um, you know taking showers together. So I mean, not that, <laughs> not that you know to cast any judgment or anything. But you know, you, you never know where these things are leading. Uh, but uh, the the but um, somehow or other he's been named to write a Superman. Right, write a Superman. Now we yeah. I think we did cover this in our last podcast. But uh, I, I just say that the infamy has has grown, has spread, yes. it has hit mm -hmm. like mainstream media outlets mm -hmm. where normally comics controversies do not reach. Right, right. Well, this is a, I mean, obviously this is a prominent author. Right. Uh, and, and his public statements on uh, directed to gay people are, are really just beyond the pale. But, Completely reprehensible. Yeah, but not only that, but it's also some comic shop, more and more comic shops are not going to be carrying the Superman printed edition. And to get uh, even further, uh, there is a movie based on his best-known work, Ender's Game, coming out, starring Harrison mm -hmm. Ford, coming from Summit, which is the studio that puts out the Twilight movies. 
uh, and you know they're very good at marketing. And now they're beginning to realize that they might have a little problem on their hands. Uh, there was an interesting article in the Hollywood Reporter where it's pointed out that uh, you know are they going to bring this guy to Comic Con to promote the movie? That might be a little embarrassing. Yeah. I, don't, I don't, you know. Mm, we'll see. So uh, anyway, we will see. Yeah. So uh, and he, he's, all I can say is I look forward with vicious pleasure to the day that people are writing. Uh, Ender's Game slash fiction. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's going on when, I'm as sure we it's speak. Already happened, so. <laughs> no, no, I don't think it's happened yet. Once there's a movie with Harrison Ford in it, it's going it's to gonna happen. happen. I agree. I agree. So, um, all right, and the, the last, but certainly not the least <laughs> asshole on our list, uh, Ed Kramer and uh, oh, uh, well, by sorry, far not, even, not the yeah. last. Yeah. Well, Ed Kramer is the one of the founders of Dragon Con, which is uh, one of the most popular conventions in the United States, and certainly the biggest as far as cost. Play it goes, and he, I mean, and in size, it's basically second only to San Diego. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's second, but it's but certainly it's, the top five. Well, I think it was thirty or forty thousand people. Yeah, or, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's something. Like, yeah. yeah, I but, mean, I've been there. It's a oh, you have. That's yeah, right. right. It's, you reported yeah, on it for yes, us once too. Yes, yes, yes. yes in costume too, as I recall. Yeah, um, it's it's just massive. It takes over yeah. like what was it, three or four hotels yeah. in Atlanta. It's just a sea of people, and it's known as a good time. Yeah, it is a good time, and basically it. It brings together so many different, it's basically ten different conventions in one. So you can see how fandom feels very strongly about this convention and feels that it's not something that can be replaced. Right. So therefore, when something blackens its name... Mm -hmm. well, um, well, just to go back... Yeah, and give us a recap. It becomes a, a big deal. Of, yeah, what's going on... Ed Kramer and what... Yeah, I mean, what's going what on is here... The deal? Is yeah. that Ed Kramer, for the past ten years, has been under charges of uh, child molestation and uh, with young boys, and he's been avoiding uh, being tried for this because he claimed that he was sick and he was too sick to stand trial, but he's been under house arrest. And this is common knowledge. Everybody knows that the guy has been charged. Of course... Innocent until proven guilty, but, but he is under some very serious charges. Yes. So people who go to Dragon Con have long thought that he had nothing more to that do with he had the nothing to do with it. He's definitely not on the board anymore and has nothing to do with running the show. Um, now, recently, writer Nancy A. Collins, however, suggested that people should boycott the show. Kramer has been found that you know maybe he wasn't as sick as he said because he was found in Connecticut, uh, having left his Atlanta home in a cabin with a 13-year-old boy oh, on the set of a low-budget movie. So, uh, without his respirator and without his wheelchair. So, oh dear. incredibly, Atlanta officials have said maybe he is sick and, uh, well enough to stand trial. Gosh! So after 10 years. You think? Uh, and he has <laughs> new charges also based on, uh, from mm -hmm. Connecticut. So, he's got a whole new raft of charges oh and everything. But anyway, Nancy Collins said perhaps uh, people should be aware that he is still getting money from Dragon Con. Because which is a he, bit of a shocker. Which is a bit of a shocker because it's, mm -hmm. he's sort of been led to believe that he wasn't involved with it. He wasn't involved, but he is still um, technically as getting, one, money. getting money because mm -hmm. of the contracts. So the, uh, the people who do run Dragon Con released a statement this week saying, look, we know he's scummy. Uh, but he, we can't get rid of him. Every time we try to get him off the contracts, uh, his lawyers come and, and fight us, so it's very difficult. And uh, so, you know, we're sorry. Maybe if he is convicted, we can get rid of him. Hmm. Uh, which some people, Nancy Collins is, is uh, among them, is still not satisfied with. So, uh, I mean, I think it's, it's sort of like, I mean, I don't know, Kate. You, you know, you've attended. I mean, you know. Yeah. How do you feel knowing that some of your money went into... Well, I mean, I'm not exactly thrilled about it, no. Um, I don't... I mean, I, I can understand why, you know, some people are like, well, they should just, like, 
take the name Dragon Con off and call it right. something else. But I understand that since Dragon Con is such a huge brand and such a huge tradition, sure. that people would be very, very reluctant to let that go if they thought there was any other way they could eventually detach it from this man. Right. Um, because, I mean, it's, it's an institution. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for people to let go of institutions. Sure, I understand that. But on the yeah. other hand, you uh, know... But on the, other hand, on the other hand, it's funding him to hire all the lawyers who have been yeah. fighting these and charges. And God knows what else. Yeah. And God knows what else, yeah. Um, I mean, that's where yeah, the guy... It's, well, it's, I mean, that's obviously, it's, a, it's an ethical and a legal dilemma. It is. For, for the Dragon Con leadership. Um, and obviously, it seems that the onus should be on the Atlanta Criminal Justice Center, the yeah. Georgia Criminal Justice System, Drag to bring some in. justice to this thing and resolve uh, or take this man to trial yeah. uh, so that there could be some resolution to this I mean, issue. there are some strange things that happened down in Georgia. You might recall that, you know, Gordon Lee, the retailer, who, oh, right. who yes. saw, you yeah. know, that yeah. case yeah. went they, on for years. CBLDF yeah. had to defend, yeah. Over and over, and he yeah. just recently passed away, actually. Oh, did he really? Yeah, yeah. he did. Yeah, he yeah. died, yeah. But, I mean, you know, like, there's some re- weird justice down in Georgia, okay. so... Um, but anyway, uh, sounds you know, like a comic book. You know, Weird would, justice. Yeah, I would have to say, out of all these, I would. Uh, let's yeah, shall we vote? Worst. Shall we vote? Oh yes, on the. Who on, is the biggest asshole? The biggest Kramer. Ed Kramer. <sighs> I'm torn. I'll say Kramer too. I'll yeah. go three. But you know, Frederick Wortham is right up there. I know, but, but he is <laughs> he dead now. Yeah, that's true. And that's he true. He didn't molest children, as far as we know. That's, he was a child right. psychologist, which always raises a few red flags. Well, that's at the end of the day, the trial molestation. You know. Yeah. Swung yeah. my vote, right, <laughs> I guess you can say. So uh, I guess that uh, settles it. Um, Sorry, EC Asshole Comics. Asshole of the year. Yep, in Asshole comics. of the year. All right, this what you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> All right. Now, on that note, let's segue to Batwoman's proposal. This would yeah. sort of be a delight to Orson Scott Card, huh? <laughs> yes. Okay. Or so, not. Background. Um, DC brought back the long neglected female character of Batwoman years ago and decided that, hey, what the hell, why not have her be a lesbian? And indeed, have written her as such very well over the last few years. But now, um, they have had her propose to her girlfriend, uh, Detective Sawyer, in the last page of Batwoman. The only thing is that some of the people who are raising eyebrows are not the homophobes. Some of them are like myself, the readers of the book, who are going, wait, what? But their relationship's in trouble. They're, they haven't been dating this long. This is a terrible decision. Um, um, you're a fan, not their mom. Yeah, come on now. But yeah, but I mean, it's, it's like... It, it, no, but I mean, it, it feels like... It feels like it could be one of those pasted on editorial decisions where they're like, hey, look, guys, we are super tolerant. How tolerant are we? We're so tolerant, we're going to give them a marriage. Um, Because, (laughs) hey, gays want marriage, right? And they're gay. Oh, dear. Um, I think it's very well-intentioned. I'm just, as a fan, going... I don't know yeah. how it will work out in the comic. But I, you oh. know, I think what's really funny about this is that uh, DC did not. Well, I mean, it really is just it's just a proposal. We don't know if she's going to say, you know, maybe in the next issue, Maggie's going to say, you know what, it's just too soon. Oh, those gay folk—they're never yeah. satisfied. But, uh, but it's also—I uh, mean, given all the all the uh, bad press they've gotten over Orsus got card, you know, I'm surprised they didn't actually promote this a little bit more, to be honest. But yeah, you know, they, they maybe may they need thought to. that would have been they too simple. To. 
<laughs> well, you can bet there's more to come on that. Well, but to be fair, mm-hmm. Calvin, yes. um, Heidi was right before the broadcast comparing it to the "Hey, let's marry off Storm and Black Panther." They're both black. <laughs> I thought that was right? pretty bad too. Yeah. But <laughs> but you know what are you going to do? You know, um, yeah, we're just the fans. Yeah. yeah. You know, and um, the uh, editor, beady-headed little editor, uh, editor mm-hmm. somewhere in their bunkers, in their editorial bunkers. They make all these decisions, and all we get to do is complain about them endlessly on the Internet. On the yep. other hand, which is an we get to complain about them endlessly on the <laughs> yes, Internet. Yes, yes. What the hell, why not? Movement from years ago when I was a kid, when all you could do was send in a letter, you never knew where it got there or not. So, But now you, you, you know when you've struck pay dirt. So, mm. Anyway, so stay tuned for uh, stay our tuned. update on... Uh, yes, on relations in Batwoman. And... and Genmanga. Uh, those of you who know Genmanga know that it's a very interesting uh, new uh, new venture launched, I believe, in uh, in 2011 that basically publishes uh, kind of indie manga, dujenshi, um, uh, um, original so, dujenshi. original comics, original dujenshi. I mean, dujenshi I would in, oh uh, not necessarily yes, not the what you see in Japan generally is the sort of uh, those. Uh, Comics version of slash fiction, where you're no, where you're no. doing. No, I mean, is is frequently like fan fiction. Yes. In that it's based on characters not owned by the creators. Exactly. But Thank you. That is not the only form of dujinshi. Yes. There is dujinshi can also be tiny, tiny, small press Absolutely. things created by amateur creators. And that's what we're talking. And about. that's what we're talking. And that's about what we're here. talking. And that's what Gin uh, Manga specializes in. And also, they were very early on publishing simultaneously in Japanese and English. Yes. And also um, um, making print available as well. So you can buy. It was released. In, they're releasing digital. And, and followed by a print volume uh, about a month later, and you can buy all of their books in uh, Amazon uh, or in Barnes and Noble. Uh, but they are now they're launching Gin Manhua, uh, Korean comics. I spoke with uh, uh, Robert McGuire, the editor in chief of, of Gin, whose office is right here in New York, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're launching it in much the same way as Gin Manga. It's a dollar ninety nine a month subscription. You get get a new issue every um, every month. It's got four or five longish short stories in it. I mean, they, these aren't short knockoff. These are not mini comics by any stretch no. of the imagination. They're substantial. They can be a twenty or thirty page story easily. Um, uh, they're followed by the uh, paper manga, uh, which is which sells for about nine ninety nine. Uh, but for the first month, all subscribers to Gin Manga get complete access to all of the Gin Manhua. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you can buy the individual uh, digital versions of... Oh, th- excuse me, the, uh, the, the first um, releases in the, the, the Gin Manhua line uh, will be a, a standalone graphic novel, um, Sorako by um, uh, Takayuki Fujimura. Uh, which can be downloaded complete, and then a, uh, a story collection called Stone Collector that will be serialized going forward. So check it out. Uh, the, uh, the manga are very usually in very unusual styles. They're akin to American indie alternative comics, and it's a great value. Right? Yes. Yeah. It is. So, Great. you know, despite the manga uh, manga market sh- uh, shrinking a bit, you know, it's still going on. It's, yeah, it's, mangas. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the here. things actually Brian talks about in his thing is that for, for a category that has declined so, so much, 
it's still a very right. big category right. and still an important category. Yeah, so absolutely. It's still trying to find its level in American publishing. So, so Gen Manga and Gen Manhwa now, it really is a, it, it's, they're, they're worth checking out. And on to the briefs, which will yes. tell you a little bit more about the expansion of manga. Uh, brief number one is that Vertical Manga has made an announcement at the third annual Indian Comic Con in India that they are planning to expand to India with manga very soon. Um, Ed Chavez, the director of marketing, made a presentation there uh, with uh, Cheese Sweet Home, a their, their comic about yes. adorable kittens, yes. which if ever yes. there was something that could break into the international market, it is adorable kittens. Yes. Cat that is yes. the um, universal ambassador. Yes. Cat. Yes. Meanwhile, uh, Mark Wade, known not only as a comics creator, but the um, entrepreneur behind the new label Thrillbent, is going to be taking part in a brand new, massively open online course from Ball State University on gender through comics, which is a full college course, absolutely free, completely online. Mm -hmm and will feature uh, interviews with comics professionals including Kelly Sue DeConnick, Matt Fraction, Brian K. Vaughn, Terry Moore, Yael Simone, and Jason Aaron. Um, so, you know, you might want to look it up and sign up. Yeah, and it sounds like an enlightened look at the history yeah, of comics. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Sure is. Uh, oh, and it will be taught by Christine Blanche. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, parenthetically, uh, I was fortunate enough to be at the Tools of Change conference, Tools of Change for Publishing a conference in New York last week. It's a, uh, a really uh, extraordinary uh, conference about digital publishing, really about the transition from print to digital going on in the book publishing industry and, uh, uh, and organizes personalities and um, of all kinds and professionals uh, to deal with the issues uh, around that. Mark Wade was a keynote speaker uh, and he came in to actually to deliver uh, a really interesting look at, a, at, a, at an audience that I'm... Well, the comics market does overlap with the, uh, with the tech audience to some, some extent, but this was kind of publishing professionals, so I'm not sure how many of them right. were familiar with him, but he actually had quite a few oohs and ahs. He really showed off mm -hmm. uh, what he's doing on Thrillbent, um, and there's some really interesting things of how you use digital uh, in comics to, to recreate the sense of, of, of sequence without uh, descending into the, to the, the awful, awful dark valley of motion comics. No, so he really now. had some really, uh, really thoughtful comments to make, Really good visuals, uh, and he was really warmly received at the, the TOC. So, man on the move, you know, Mark two Wade. thumbs up to Mark Wade and, yes. and Thrillbent uh, for mm -hmm. his uh, TOC presentation. And speaking of uh, digital technology and comics, far less successful digital technology is San Diego Comic Con's <laughs> online <laughs> registration. Yet again. It has now become almost as much of a tradition as standing in line in massive lines at San Diego Comic-Con is sitting in your front of your computer hoping, praying, and hitting the button at exactly 9 a.m. and hoping for the best. We can send a man to the moon, but for some reason... Uh, you can't the, make a, the a genuinely yeah, robust the website. San Diego Comic-Con tickets crashes uh, the uh, system yeah. every year. I mean, you know, people are like... Um, why don't they do a lottery? I mean, it is kind of a lottery now. But, <laughs> yes, it is but, already. But <laughs> you know what? To be honest, like someone, one of my commenters actually put it in a way that I hadn't thought about it before. 
um, is that it has all the worst qualities of both. Like, it's <laughs> yes. not really merit-based, and it's not really a lottery. Like, yeah. a lottery, you could just go put your name in, your member ID in, and then go about your business, go have a cup of coffee, you know, go to the gym, and then at some time, they would pick the names. Yeah. And you would know whether you got in or you wouldn't. You wouldn't have to sit in front of your computer staring at a white screen for an hour and a half, and which is pretty stressful. Yeah. I agree. Uh, and it was made more stressful by the fact that apparently if you used the Chrome browser, you were entirely out of luck. Right. White screen of death. Yeah, and I mean, we're getting... Thanks like, for letting us know Yeah, that. and I yeah. mean, the hotels are coming on uh, Tuesday, and that's, you know, where I get all hot and sweaty. It's like, yeah, it's Tuesday at 9 o'clock, Calvin. Uh, excuse me, noon. 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 So uh, I'm not uh, using Chrome. I'm already uh, Yeah, don't yeah. use Chrome. Yeah, don't use Chrome. I'm already apparently, starting to sweat. Apparently... It, Responds well to Explorer, so that should tell you all you need. Oh, no, stop! <laughs> oh, An unholy alliance with Microsoft. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's how we live, people. You don't yeah. understand, but yeah. yes, this is a actually, traumatic time of Calvin, year. I think people do understand. Yeah, I, I think guess everybody they do. Wants well, I guess they do. If, if you've tried to get a ticket, yes, in fact, that's the problem. Everybody seems to want to go to Comic Con. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, but moving on down. Yes, our, speaking our list. of uh, things that perhaps don't interact with the online world as well as they should, Dave Sim. <laughs> Dave Sim has actually made a good career decision for the first time that I can think of in the last ten years, and had the brilliant idea that in order to get money from his art, he would sell some of his art, and so um, ten covers of his work are currently being sold online through Heritage Auctions, well, online and in-person, and are doing so well online that it was worth his while to come out today and tomorrow uh, at the Heritage Auction block and sign autographs and, you know, make nice with fans. Good for him. There you go. So... You know, sometimes maybe you just need to go back to the technology you understand. Well, I think what's a little bit interesting. <laughs> yes, like if I can drawing if I, on paper. <laughs> if I can commence meow, as they like to say, I think what's really interesting is he notes that you know he doesn't want to sell his art, and he has a yeah. lot of the service art, which is mm-hmm. um, you know good good for him. He has yes. definitely sold art over the years, but um, you know he hopes to do new material that he could sell the art with because he doesn't really want to part with all the art from his service classic service run. And you know along the way he notes that. Um, you know, Jeff Smith has all his art and has never sold it. And uh, the Peenies, Wendy Peeney has never sold all her art. What's really ironic about that is that uh, both these uh, cartoonists have spouses who help them with their uh, careers, which is something that Sim thought was really a bad idea. And mm-hmm. uh, yet they don't have to sell all their art to live. So I don't know. Maybe the spouse will help work out well, for some people. That's true. Well, <laughs> also, it could have to do with what he euphemistically referred to as the political climate, which he is absolutely sure will shift eventually back in his direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well yes. in that case, we'll have to have a new, like, asshole election. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, well, if he learns to keep his mouth shut on the Internet, maybe after 20 years, um, oh. people will forget no, oh, wait, there's yes, a long discussion. We won't go yeah. into it this anyway, time. Yes, anyway, in I fact, wish him well. I wish him well. And, uh, yes, absolutely. Yes, hope absolutely. he sells his art I'm, and is I'm, happy. I'm a big it. fan of, uh, of Cerberus and, you know, yeah. don't want to see anybody go down the tubes. But, um, so, yeah, go buy some mm. Dave Sim art yeah. online. So, and, and, and one final piece of news. Um, 
comics have stepped onto the international stage in a most unexpected way. The Israeli ambassador to Japan, Ambassador Nassim Ben Shirit, came upon a manga that distressed and disturbed him intensely. That is to say, the manga adaptation of Mein Kampf. Apparently a big seller. A big seller. <laughs> um, a small press in Japan, uh, East Press, has a line of important historical book adaptations. And of these, um, for example, Das Kapital is among them, um, unsurprisingly, Mein Kampf is by far and away their best seller. <laughs> Pretty amazing. This, the Israeli ambassador found <laughs> deeply disturbing. Deeply disturbing, man. <laughs> yep. Understandably so. Uh, so he talked to publishers and, you know, raised his concerns, and they said they were shocked, astonished that anyone could find anything anti-Semitic in the popularity of Mein Kampf. And promised the Israeli ambassador that they will now do a series of three Bible, presumably Old Testament, adaptations <laughs> using the same art, artists from Mein Kampf. Yeah. Well, wouldn't it be? A, wouldn't it be like a? Wouldn't it be a, a, a weird sort of slap in the, a secondary slap in the face to only do the New Testament? But that's just my thought. Yeah, but, well, God, yeah, anyway. but they're not. They're not. You they're know, as far use, as uh, do with Genesis. comics Bibles go, I only uh, live by the uh, the Brick Testament. That is my Bible. That's <laughs> the one that I study yes. over and over and over again. So. Oh, the Brick Testament. Yes, and it's. Quite a version. Anyway, well, <laughs> you know what? You can't make this stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> you never can. And that's why we will be back with again more with come. more. Yeah, there's more, more to come for to sure. Come. All right.